author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. It's Donald Jeffries here with you. Come to you every Friday, as the man says, from just outside the Swamp Infested Washington, D.C. at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're doing another, you know, we, we've done several of these shows because I think that um, January 6th is uh, one of the biggest issues in this country today. And it's indicative of uh, the, the collapse that this country is experiencing and, uh, and to honor all the political prisoners that are still there in D.C. jail uh, three years later haven't been denied all due process. So we're having as many people as we can. We had Ashley Babby's, Babbitt's mom on for a second time a few weeks ago. Uh, we have three guests. Hope we're going to have a third guest. Eric Clark has been on the show before and he's suing Ray Epps. So I hope he uh, comes on and uh, he's, he's the, he, we're waiting for him. But in the meantime, we have uh, Tim Rivers who has uh, produced an explosive new documentary. January 6th is here. The American Gulag Chronicles. And then we also have James Beeks, who uh, is a Broadway star. And uh, we're going to ask how he found his way to January 6th as well. And uh, so these guys are going to you know, talk about their experiences. And so my audience can get a feel for as if they didn't already know uh, how how many people this has affected and the kind of, uh, I don't know, we'll talk about what possible punishments they might face. Uh, you know, we talked to... Uh, uh, a guy a couple weeks ago, again, that was inside the Capitol for 36 seconds, and I think he got 60 days, but he fared much better than a lot of them. So anyhow, welcome to the show, guys. Um, Tim, I guess we'll go first with you and, and talk about what uh, hell you got to uh, to be in uh, Washington, D.C. on that infamous January 6th, and then we'll definitely discuss uh, how your documentary came about. Well, actually, I was not there on January 6th. I'm, I'm actually the oh. voice of the guys in the gulag. Oh, okay, um, great. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> we uh, we started writing to these guys right after everything started gelling together. We could tell that there was going to be a massive sweep and they weren't going to let up. Um, we connected these guys together through something called the Patriot Mail Project, where just ordinary Americans can find where they're hiding these guys, get their addresses and write them letters of support, even get involved with their support. Um, and through that, I got a letter back from a gentleman by the name of Jeff McKellip, a retired ranger in Green Beret. Uh, three times Bronze Star decorated for valor, served in all the places you and I have heard about in the Gulf Wars. And um, his letter just drove me into this with with a vengeance. I was retired and, and really not heavily politically involved. I mean, I was involved in the in election uh, integrity afterwards, but I had no idea of what was going to how rapidly we could lose control of justice in America until I started reading these guys letters. Um, and they were so poignant and so full of information that was contrary to the narrative. We began publishing them out in Telegram and on other platforms. And now we're, of course, on the web and, and we're, we're pretty much saturated the platforms. And these letters, as people started reading the ones we were posting, they went, well, wait, I got one, too. And they started sending them in and it became a flood. Um, and what was in these letters well, I, you know, I don't want to give it away, but I'll give you a website where you can read like 14 pages of the first book. Please, please. Read a few of them yourself and you'll get a feel for what it's like to be a J6 prisoner 
and to be uh, to be persecuted for something that is patriotic. And so these letters um, started coming in heavily. We had to form another channel called American Gulag Chronicles, a little nod to Alexander Solzhenitsyn's uh, Gulag Archipelago, because what was happening to these guys and gals was exactly what uh, Alexander was trying to warn us about, what he had gone through, what he experienced in the gulags of Stalinist Russia. And the warnings that he had been giving us in 73, evidently we weren't listening very closely. I read the book three times, but I don't know how I could have stopped this. But I do know that it's time to stop this. And their letters, um, their letters are the message to America. They, you know, it's so strange. Don, I, I see your your next book, I think, down something about the memory hole of America. That's what's yeah. happening. Yes, These guys are going down the memory hole. They're trying yeah. to relate to you exactly what happened to that day. I mean, I could talk about it, but wouldn't you rather hear it from the person who was there? Just like, you know, you're having people on here. Certainly. And that's, did, did, did Eric, when you pinged Eric, did he say he's coming on or? I did. I hit him both ways. I hit him on the, uh, on text and I hit him on Telegram. Okay. So you, we'll, prob we'll you just... probably have more of a hotline than I do. Okay. Well, hopefully he makes it, but uh, uh, so we'll, we'll come back to you because we're going to talk about the, more about the documentary thing. So uh, James, I'm assuming you were, you were there on January 6th, correct? Yeah, I was there. Um, my journey started June 2nd, 2020, when David Dorn uh, was killed, a black officer, ex-police officer who uh, got killed during the Summer of Love riots. Right, right. I remember, yeah. And, um, and he, you know, was trying to simply trying to protect his, his um, property. And I saw our nation get burned to the ground by the left and um and i said if i was able to help in that situation i would when you know would go in and be a peacekeeper and when uh then president trump asked to come to january 6th i heeded the call and i wanted to go as a peacekeeper so i signed up for the oath keepers a couple of weeks before um, and i didn't know anybody there because we know the you know in crowds like this that I, you know we saw throughout all the summer, especially after, you know, a lot of those Trump rallies and stuff that they would go, particularly after older people, elderly people, these, you know, cowards would go after them and, and attack people. And, um, you know, I know, to, I know self-defense, I know how to, you know, fight and, um, and, and, and protect others. So I wanted to go and be that in, on January 6th. And so I saw uh, the Oath Keepers and I was part of that, um, infamous military stack that they kept playing over and over again. <laughs> and uh, we were pushed inside by the force of the crowd and some suspicious actors who are still not on the FBI wanted list. Um, and I was part of the group that, you know, protected D Officer Dunn from the rowdy people. And we've got him back to his unit. As soon as he got, we got him back, a crowd of people came in and crushed us against the cops. And um, I got stuck and actually got my arm injured from that. And uh, I'm actually part of the uh, lawsuit, the uh, civil lawsuit that's going on. Well, um, we're definitely going to talk about it. Tony, uh, uh, Eric, Eric has, has messaged me on Twitter and said he never got the link. Tony, I, it's, it, I hope you can you check and make sure that it went or didn't get back delivered to the email I gave you. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
That's okay. And, yeah. So uh, yeah, then they dispersed us with uh, that chemical spray, and we uh, I was only there for about twenty three minutes, and then after that we went out and we're again we're buffers between the cops and the rowdy crowd. You know, I, I thought that was being there for security and and to help and to uh, de-escalate any sort of situation. Um, but then uh, I was, after the event, went home and went back on tour. Um, I was in the 50th anniversary of Andrew Lloyd Webber's uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and the starring role of Judas. And, and, and when I was on tour, I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on November 23rd, my employer, former employer, uh, conspired with the FBI to have me arrested. And oh, then, uh, then they put out a press release. It was big news all over the, all of you. We look there, it was, uh, November of 2021. Um, and I, what I, I, um, it was during the time of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. And, and you would notice that they were talking about my case more so than they were talking about the Ghislaine Maxwell. And I, and I saw that, um, but, and then um, I, I laid in wait because they, they forced a public pretender on me. And for a year and a half, they kept delaying, delaying, which was kind of good in, in a way. But um, and I, I uh, actually fired the public pretender and I presented my own action or in legal lease term, I represented my, myself and uh, took it to trial and I won. got fully acquitted in a stipulated bench trial. I'm one of the only cases that's been. Well, you are magic. Is is are you the one that uh, that the judge saw the video of the of the cops waving people inside and, and dismissed the trial? I still want to find out who that guy was. No, that was Matthew Martin. Okay. Uh, well, he's the luckiest one of you all because he had the only honest judge apparently. Well, um, I'm I'm the second because I got fully acquitted. That's incredible. How, how do you think? I mean, so you had a jury. The jury acquitted you. I'm just I'm I'm shocked. I really am. no no no. It was a stipulated bench trial. Okay. Okay. And I fought, you know, without an attorney. And without uh, an attorney too. Wow. <laughs> with my paperwork, and uh, that's what I've been trying to get people to understand my strategy, um, how I did this through common law and through trust law. Um, and so I forced them into a stipulated bench trial, and they we agreed to go with after two charges. And if they proved that I intently and knowingly committed these alleged crimes that they uh, charged me with, they whether the judge uh, rendered a verdict of guilty or not guilty, they would drop the rest of the charges. And that's how I won. Well, what, what were the charges? Because it, see, it just seems like this was a uh, the the uh, the deck was stacked against everybody. They just came up with these uh, either trespassing or I guess I don't think they actually charged anybody. Yeah, I had insurrection. No, they never charge anybody with insurrection, and and it's it's shameful that they keep calling it an insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I, I was charged with the you know the fifteen twelve the uh, aiding and abetting the you know with uh, rowdy cops the stopping the cops. So the charges that I went with the stipulated bench trial was the fifteen twelve obstruction of Congress and stopping the police from their duties, and the other charges, uh, the other four I guess were misdemeanors. So I had six. And uh, um, so, like I said, they we went after those two charges and then the rest were dropped. So I was completely acquitted. 
Well, where 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 was where was this uh, courtroom, and who was the judge? Because I I'd like to have the judge's name known because it's very rare to have any judge with common sense these days. So what judge? No, this, this, I was shocked because this was Meta. This was the one who was very harsh on the Oath Keepers. I was a whole part of the Oath wow, team. wow. So it's pretty miraculous that a lot of people don't know that there is I'm I'm a winner, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, even the J6 committee, they're surprised that there is a winner here and uh, I'm, I'm here to, you know, spread the, you know, there's, there is hope, you know, and, and I would like for people to look at the precedent that I've set um, based on my paperwork that I filed onto the court. Well, what do you think was special about what you did? Because, I mean, as I, I, I think the other defendants have tried, I, I don't, what, what did you do differently, you think, than that the others didn't do? Well, I, like I said, I, my paperwork it's about paperwork and you win court cases through paperwork and i put them in an administrative process through common law and through trust law and um, the language that i use in my paperwork they cannot take to the appellate court nor the supreme court and they had to find a way to get out of it so um Definitely got to share that, brother. <laughs> yeah, because I, 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 what, what, I mean, what, this is some magical paperwork. Because I mean, you, I just, I mean, if the video doesn't work of the cops waving people inside, I, you know, or the fact like, oh, there, there's Eric Clark. Here's the Eric. thing. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, here's hey, the thing, you know, brother. Here's the good, hey, James. Hey, hey, what's up, man? Uh, here's the thing. Like when I won, I, I got a lot of pushback because because they, I got blamed. Bed. I, got, I got blamed for winning because of my over my skin. And uh, God, who's talking? Is that somebody's somebody's uh, to hear me. It's not mine, I don't think, is it? I think that's Eric's. Eric, can you just mute out while he's talking okay. for a minute? Yeah. Cool beans. Yeah, so uh, I got blamed for, for winning because uh, I, I was a fed or you know, or because of the color of my skin, and yeah. and nobody even looked at the merits of my case to go and study what I've done. And it's just frustrating to me that, you know, like you, a lot of people don't know. So I'm, I'm trying to get the word out and trying to get my story out. Um, I'm hopefully, you know, I'm writing a book about my, st my story and yeah. I you know, some information on um, helping me, you know, finish my, my book to tell my story and to be an inspiration for others out there to, you know, to have you a are, You are an inspiration. I, and I hope like, like Tim said, I hope, Maybe you can uh, get in touch with some of these others, and uh, and you know maybe uh, you know, the copy of what you did. I don't know because if you if you came before the same hard ass judge that uh, came through some of these other penalties, amazing. I, I want to go to Eric Clark. Eric's been on the show uh, once before a while back, and uh, good to see you, Eric. Um, so tell us now. We are, give us again what your experience was. You were in Washington D.C. on January sixth, and then we'll talk about the lawsuit against Ray Epps. But what happened that day when when you were in D.C. So, so from my perspective, I, I didn't witness any violence. I, I watched the Trump speech. Um, I walked down to the Capitol and in my mind to see more speeches. Right. And uh, when I arrived, I, I was able to walk all the way up to the very front of the Capitol steps amidst this huge crowd that was already there, uh, unperturbed by any law enforcement or barriers. I reached the top of the steps. I yell out really loudly. Oorah. It's a it's a Marine Corps thing. And a tall gentleman in brown with a red MAGA hat, now identified as Ray Epps, he bends down and he says, uh, Semper Fidelis, Devil Dog, we got to hold the crowd back a little bit longer or they're going to F up the plan. <laughs> and so so from there, a, a, a while a while passed, a, 
a little bit of time passed. The police line pulls back, and gentleman that Rath was talking to go directly to this hatch, open it up. I look down at it. It provides interior egress to the inside of the Capitol. They start pulling some things out of it to wave around in front of the cameras. I walk up the steps to the uh, Upper West Terrace to get back to the front of the crowd, like God had put it on my heart to go, and then he put it on my heart to stay at the front. And I'm fully convinced it was to witness some of these things that I've witnessed now. So I get all the way up to the front, and this girl, she latches onto me. And uh, I'm saying she's pepper sprayed, and, you know, like, I think she needs help. So I'll carry her all the way back down to the reflecting pool where the people I had carpooled there with were kind of assembled. And uh, they, they took her from there, and I went back up to the Upper West Terrace, got back up toward the front of the crowd. I go into the building, and I kind of look. So I'm kind of pushed into the building, really. But I was in that line of people that were right in front of that door. It sort of looked like they were letting people in. I'm kind of pushed in. Mm -hmm. And then I look around. You know, I try to turn around and back back out. But the, there's a steady flow of people coming in. There, there was no exiting in that moment. So I turn back around and I look around. And police aren't, they're not asking anybody to leave. They're fist bumping people, high-fiving people, conversating with people, giving people thumbs up. That goes on for about 10 minutes. And I turn to walk towards the right down the hallway and I noticed officers rather than directing people back towards that door that's just right there that I just came in they're directing people further into the building like hand motioning you know this way this yeah. way yeah this bumping people as they pass and so uh that's kind of my account so after the fact I'm looking back to the footage to find who who this girl was that I helped I figured that'd be a good character witness right to show that I was there to help people and and I do in fact find footage of her She's been identified as Elizabeth of Knoxville is who she said she was. She's actually Elizabeth Cope from Maryland. And uh, she's got an onion cut in half and a towel rubbing it against her face. Interviewing with Hunter Walker, the Yahoo News White House correspondent, talking about it's a revolution. We're storming the Capitol. Just wow. So I go back and look through all the footage I can find of the Upper West Terrace, trying to find that interaction. And I don't find that interaction but what I do find is that there's no pepper spray even deployed in that area until after 4.30, closer to 5 p.m. after Donald Trump had asked everyone to leave. So it kind of told me in that moment that, that her goal was to separate me from that initial breach crowd, that, that those initial people that went into the building, and I'm still to this day trying to figure out as to why. And, and I'll say on James Beek's account, right, I, I've heard the speculation about his case, and I did, really didn't want to buy into it, so I kept reaching out to to James to try to get his transcript of, of his hearing so I could see what he was talking about in these filings. And and sure enough, it, it, what he's saying is legitimate. I mean, I have his transcripts right now on a hard drive. Well, I, I, I certainly believe he's legitimate. And, and I just, but I, James must know, and just those of us that have studied this case have talked to so many of these people and we, we're familiar with the, uh, the track record. And except for you and the, the other guy that got the judge, who's the only, you know, sane judge I've seen that was, I don't know if he tried any other J6ers, but for him, I mean, every judge that saw that video, is, as far as they'll let it play, if they see the police officers waving you inside, how can they possibly prosecute people for yeah. something that the police are telling you to do? So, yeah, no, I, you, you know, James is a definite different. James is definitely not your run of the mill J6 guy. He seems to be very bright. <laughs> he, he's not only been able to create the paperwork, but he understood it. And, yeah, uh, and that's an exception. I guarantee you, not many people can do what he's done, but he's yeah. a great example that we would love to learn from.
And I Jay want to, I want to teach people how to do it. I but I, you know, people have been shied away from me, or you know, people have been. Uh, even Eric can tell me told me that you know people are saying you know don't follow the, him or whatever he's saying. Yeah, it's a, it's a skepticism. Yeah. Listen, those of us who've been in this for two and a half years, yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you, we can show you the knife marks on our back. Yeah, and, I, uh, yeah I get it. And, I get you know, it. we're skeptical. Yeah. And when somebody walks free, we go, "Ooh, wow, that yeah. was great." Wait a minute. And yeah. So don't take it personal. It's just we. You look at the track record, and that's like stands out like that giant thumb. Yeah. You know. I get yeah. it. I get it. I'm, I'm here to tell you that uh, I won on the merits, and um, and and I, I get the skepticism. I understand it, and um, I, I it was just shocking to me that I thought that you know we had a, you know when once I won that we would have a win, people would celebrate the win. But I I get the skepticism. I you know yeah. Well, um, and that's the that's the situation we're in with so many people. I mean, we're going to talk about Ray Epps with uh, with Eric, and when people and he got six months was six months suspended or something like that. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. So, so when you see that, but you have somebody like Enrico uh, Terrio, who is Enrique Terrio, is the the Hispanic leader of the white supremacist Proud Boys. It's an odd selection to lead your organization if you're a white supremacist. But he 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 wasn't in D.C. Yeah. He was twenty two years. I mean, how it's, this is. It's well, listen. Uh, I got I got a buddy of mine I interviewed today on Lindell TV. His name is is. Uh, Gilbert Fontecavo, and he's going to get four years because he hung out in the hotel room at the end of the day with those guys. That's it. Oh, he, wow. he, he got knocked into a fence, knocked to the ground, tangled in the fence. He didn't yeah. break anything. He didn't hurt anybody. There was no violence. He got the standard four plus all the alterations. And he took a, a just like James, he took a stipulated bench trial which I personally believe is your best chance. Yeah, probably so. You yeah. cut the jury out, you throw yourself on the mercy of the judge, and you retain your appeal. Um, oh, brilliant, what, brilliant move. What they so, had for me was, um, and uh, the only thing that had me recorded is saying on that day was there was a testimony from Tina Myers, um, who took a picture with me because we were um, guiding the crowd and watching for Antifa people, you know, Antifa people and stuff. And she said, um, what are you here for? She asked me, what are you here for? And I, the only thing they have me recorded is saying is I'm here to protect everyone from violence. Right. Perfect. That's the only thing they have me recorded is saying, and that shows intent right there. And the power of intent uh, is, uh, is a powerful thing. So, um, well, you look at, you look at Owen Schroyer who has, you know, has a name in InfoWars and he's, he's on tape as telling people don't go in the Capitol. This is a setup. And, yeah. I don't know how much more you know, exonerating evidence you would need, and yet well, he still serves six. I mean, I, I I don't know how you can fight something like that. Yeah, it's I mean, brainwashing. The brainwashing is complete, guys. I mean, people are taking exactly. their mainline reality from MSM, and they're not hearing any of this. None yeah. of this. That's yeah. why we made the book because we got to get through the wall. Yeah, it's it's um it's exactly right. The brainwashing, and they just hate. They, they're programmed to hate. Trump and the Trump supporters and anything right or Republican or whatever so much that they are willing to twist in a knot to get their narrative and in, in their uh, you know convictions. I, I watched uh, what's his name Scott McFarlane on his ex account when he he reports a lot about your arrests and stuff like that and I read their comments and they're just oh yeah go get him go get him I just I feel so sorry for those people who are just so yes. brainwashed and programmed that they are. They are. They hate their fellow countrymen and women to the point where they want to see the innocent people convicted for nothing. It's a shame. Well, and you you mentioned the you know the, during the summer of 2020 when you had these uh, you know 
mostly peaceful protests that did result in lots of burned buildings, lots of looting and theft, more, uh, lots, several deaths. Uh, killed police they, officers. Killed yeah, I mean, so uh, and nothing was done basically, and you don't see, and that's why I've tried to tell. I've gotten arguments with these people, and I said, look, you know, I I'm a Trump agnostic. I'm part of the smallest uh, minority group in the world. You know, I don't love or hate him. You know, I I just you know, but I, I said I would feel the same if this if what was being done to these J six people, if the BLM activists, Antifa, anybody, take your pick, were held without all due process for three years, were given ridiculous sentences like uh, Enrique got or uh, Joe Big seventeen years, just sentences that are longer than many murderers get. I would be just as outraged because I'm a civil libertarian. But the problem is the other side looks at they look at you guys and they see you through the lens of Trump and they hate Trump. They hate him so much that if you if you had been there for the right reason, if you had been there fighting for, you know against uh, police racism or something or something that they they agreed with, George Floyd. They, yeah, George Floyd, exactly something like that. But so this has become so politicized. And that's why again, it's amazing that you have you have you been able to talk to do uh, uh, do any of the people in prison or whatever trust you that haven't had their trials yet, James? Because they really obviously ought to try to have you help them with it. Well, I I reached out to people and, and like I like I said, people are um, have um, been warned against my approach. And, and it's it's a risky approach. I, I get it. It's a risky. I, mean, I took a risk because I watched everybody go down with their bar attorneys. And um, and I think Eric would agree with me. You have a better chance at representing yourself than these do nothing attorneys to, um, you know, that will sit, sit on their hands while you're being railroaded. Well, if, if and do any of you know Lisa Belanger? She's an attorney that's done a lot of tried to do some work with the uh, yeah, I hope she's listening whenever I but she is she's suspicious of pretty much all the attorneys. Yeah, yeah. She many, claims of them, many of them are working with DOJ. They'll yeah. just go right along with it. And um, and when you talked about, you know, the that view that everybody sees these J6ers in this light that's been painted by MSM, you know, we, we we're constantly interviewing for the public. We on J6 Patriot News, Eric's been interviewed out there. In fact, Eric's in book one. I wanted to I found his letter in book one. I wanted to show you that this is the whole purpose of this book was to identify who these people really are, the, the humanity of J6ers. I mean, they're your firemen, they're your policemen, they're your EMTs, they're your representatives, for God's sakes. Um, and they're not the insurrectionists. They're not the horrible people. Oh. And um, I, I thought that that came through good in book one, but book two, oh, book two, they're going to teach you how to survive this crap because- I mean, I, Eric and I both agree. You're next. I don't care who you are. If you sit and watch us go much further, you will be next. Well, it's just got to get through till they get to. Well, you. they're they're talking, aren't they? Aren't they? I, I read the other day that they're they're still targeting thousands of others that weren't in D.C. and they've already set the precedent. If they can get somebody who wasn't in in D.C. at all, and he gets the most years of anybody, twenty two well, years. I mean, what can they what they can do that to anybody? Pretty much. Remember the warning shot that Pete Santelli only reported about the Bundys and spent 280 something days in jail for. Yeah. I, I think that in 2020 earth, we went to a, into a vortex and went into the upside down. <laughs> I yeah. agree. Bizarro I, I mean, world. Changed, Didn't, wasn't it bizarro my world? Yeah. It changed my mind. Like, and I, I, I read 1984 again and, and uh, watched the movie and we, it's just, it's that it's, it's whatever the, like you said, the MSM and the government says these, sheep or i don't know I, dummies <laughs> i don't want to say that but they just you know 
eat it up. I woke up. I lived in New York City. I was on Broadway and, and I lived in New York City during 9-11. And I used to watch CNN and MSNBC. It made me comfortable when they would, you know, uh, you know, say, oh, yeah, everything's OK. Just go back to sleep. And but when they, they got us into Iraq and I, I started asking questions. And um, like you, I am I'm more of a centrist minded. I'm not I think it's dangerous to go too far right, dangerous yeah. to go too far left. I'm somewhere in the middle. And uh, I, it's just and it's just about common sense to me. And there's no common sense. And in my in my view, where wherever there's no logic, that's where hell exists. Well, James, and you obviously you you are you don't fit the typical profile of a mega guy. Yeah. You're not only black, but uh, you're in the entertainment world. Yeah. So you must be really Mr. Popularity on Broadway now. I mean, how, <laughs> I'm sure you've got tons of friends there. I mean, are there any other Trump supporters on Broadway? I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I watched. I listened to a lot of conversations about. Um, you know, I, I had to be very, very. I had to be kind of like a spy in the, uh, <laughs> in that world and not not speak too much. I'm I, I'm not. Look, I I don't I I. I, I look at people's character and not their skin color and their policies. You know, I, I, I supported Obama in, in, in 2008, but when he signed that um, TARP bill, I, I felt like he was just about just just like anybody else. So I didn't I didn't uh, support him. Um, you know, when, you know, that TARP bill that when Bush came right, out, right. Uh, you know, he then Senator Obama went and signed that just like everybody else. Like this guy is just like everybody else. And that was why I didn't, I ended up, ended up supporting him. And then, then we got, got him. And then now and we know the rest is history, but um, I want to correct you on something. I don't consider myself as black. I find that very offensive. I don't consider myself as uh, African-American. I'm not a descendant of slaves. Um, I'm melanated uh, man. I'm, I'm touched by the sun. I have a little bit more pigment in my and, well, pe people are good. People are going to look at you that way. I mean, that's oh, how they're going to identify you. Just, I'm just stating my wh where I am. My pronouns are: I am me I'm melanated. I am not black. <laughs> I'm offended because black is a color that places me into a political status that's not of my choosing. Well, so at least you have a color. A lot, a lot of us are apparently persons of not color. Well, well, that means I wish so, all some color, but I, you know, no I'm kind either. of offended at that. Yeah, is white a color? Is is Caucasian a color? Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just, I, I think that's just, it's just, just more of a way to divide people. So it's, it it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. To say, but, but Eric, I want to, uh, I want to definitely talk about Tim's documentary. Eric, tell me how, because uh, Ray Epps is in the news, obviously, and uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, there was a Twitter storm or X storm. Uh, yesterday, and I, I was uh, watching on, online about it, and uh, they had a thing about Ann Coulter, who's kind of been in mothballs for a while, but apparently she's lost her mind because she went out and was getting into a big argument, basically defending Ray Epps, and like they were showing the video because she said he wasn't there. That was the day before, and they they had video of him that day saying, "Let's go in the Capitol on January 6th, and she still just refused to believe. So I don't know if you if you saw that or not, but. Ray Epps is certainly uh, has been extremely fortunate in terms of all this. In terms of they didn't they didn't want to prosecute him for a long time. He goes to the New York Times, uh, sympathizes with him. He's uh, he's the victim of conspiracy theory. So how how did you come to talk about this lawsuit here? 
Okay, so so my lawsuit against Rayetz, it's in the state of Utah. That's where he is supposedly staying now. That's what he told 60 Minutes. And it's also against the prosecutor in his case, Michael Gordon. And, and it leaves room for defendants, uh, John Doe's yet unknown and co-conspirators of. So the, the investigation against Rayetz was closed by the FBI in July of 2021. They did no extensive search of his social media, his communications, or violate his, his privacy in the way that they've used FISA warrants to violate all of ours. It, and the, so I had it set up to serve him a subpoena for this as he entered the courthouse. I got everything arranged to have process servers at every door at the Perryman courthouse done by 6 p.m. The, the night before. And lo and behold, at 8 p.m., they changed even his sentencing hearing to via Zoom. So, you know, he had to already be in D.C., right? His, his sentencing hearing was the next morning. So I, I think their, their further actions only show more complicity, right? More complicity between Ray Epps and the government and how this was all set up. And if nothing else, right, like I've seen everything out there on him. If nothing else, this lawsuit accomplishes it. Hopefully it'll give us more discovery on just how involved he was with the government leading up to like if you saw the Laura Logan truth in media thing about him mm -hmm. with Bake with Baked Alaska, Tim Giannette sitting there. So it shows Ray Epps following this gentleman around in the, the November before, taking pictures of him, right? Like like staking him out. And then on January fifth, he whispers into the same guy's ear, uh, we're really here to storm the Capitol. And and so yeah. it all that all that coupled with the fact he he admitted to his own nephew in text messages on January sixth, yeah, approximately thirty minutes after his uh, it's all planned and it involves timing insinuations to me, he texts his nephew saying, "Well, I was at the very front. I orchestrated it all." So it's his own words that say that he orchestrated it all, and yeah. through these actions, he has chilled the First Amendment rights of every right-wing American, of every conservative, is now scared to voice their opinion publicly for a redress yes. of grievances because of the events of January 6th. They don't want to be involved in a repeat of it and persecuted themselves. Yeah. January 6th, people that were there, right, don't even want to come out and hand their footage out yeah. and, and show their own, show, show how this peaceful this thing really was. Show the Fed involvement because they know they're just going to be the next targets. Okay. So yes. but I, I don't think they can avoid it, Eric. I really, I mean, you, you and I both know they're, they're not stopping. They grabbed three guys here right in my next County and claimed that they had captured them, captured them. They were out in the field working for God's <laughs> sakes. They weren't running from anybody. They're not going to stop. They have another 1000 they'd like to sweep up. And as Absolutely long as this again. continues and there's the fear doesn't help you. The longer you wait, the worse it's going to get. You might as well over, you know, it's like that pulling that tooth before it becomes an abscess. You've waited a little bit too long. It's time to jerk that tooth. And and I don't mean that in violence. I mean, it's time to get involved, yeah. whether it's politically or locally, whether it's with this election or whether it's helping the guys from J6. You got to get involved or, or you will be next. Hey, do you guys see on the screen there, I have a comment from M. Linda Kula. Uh, there, apparently there's a Mr. Tanawa Downing. He says he has the answer to freedom from prison because of a legal address. And there's an email there. The prisoners are one affidavit away from being free if they just communicate with this man and answer a few questions about the original arrest. I, I don't know if you guys are interested in that, but I I'll write that down. We're I, I wrote the email, the email address down as well. And and to piggyback okay. off what Tim was saying there, so I'm pro se just like 
just like James here was, just like a, a gentleman by the name of William Pope, who does some also great <laughs> research into this. So, so through this process of being pro se, I was finally able to get my own paralegal. Now, the courts had to appoint my paralegal and my investigative team for me. They wouldn't allow me to appoint my own. They, they assigned me standby counsel to hire a paralegal for me. So I go into this paralegal's office, and one of the first things I see is this file. It's called Baseball Cards. So if you're unfamiliar with the FBI's facial recognition program, it's called baseball. The facial recognition program the FBI uses is called baseball. And it's supposed to be the most comprehensive facial recognition database on the planet. So I look into this baseball card files, and there's more than 3,200 individuals, pictures there, already recognized, already named, already under surveillance by the FBI, with the name of the FBI agent surveilling them, the times of day they're surveilling their homes, you know, all these things right here in this database. And I would say that that more detailed information, right, is a bit of a matter of national security. So I can understand some of the classifications, but as to the footage, the, the minute 13 seconds of footage or two minutes of footage is used in a trial, it goes from being highly sensitive, a matter of national security, to being publicly available. So there, it, it just goes to show the government only puts these classifications on most on all this footage to hide the truth. It just goes to show that this is all uh, uh a false flag, you know, red herring event, and they're doing everything they can to cover up their actions, you know, and uh, they, I think they feel like they're going to be in power forever. Um, and hopefully that's not the case. Well, they, 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 they should be supremely confident at this point, because as you guys pointed out, the reason, and the really the reason why we don't have a real demand for a redress to Drevises is because look what happened. Yeah. Uh, when people came there and the, and the, uh, and the thing about it is that unfortunately you can't count on your fellow citizens because when you see how much hatred is involved or this Trump derangement center, which is a real thing, regardless of what you think of Trump. So they're looking at all these patriots and I mean, people like Ashley Babbitt who came all the way from California and was killed. And you have somebody like Michael Byrd. I wrote an article on that again, because her sue, you know, you're suing Ray Epps, Eric and uh, Ashley's family is uh, suing Michael Byrd. Who there are had, dozens. There, there are there were forty lawsuits launched on January eighth against people from the MPD, CPD, great. Mrs. Pelosi, members of Congress, Mr. McCarthy. It, 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 that was the cutoff day, to, because January sixth of the second year fell on a Saturday. You had till the eighth to file. Okay. They just flooded. There, there are so many civil suits out there now. Well, what it, what it, other it, ones do you know about, Tim? Those those are the only two well, ones I know about. Part, we are part of that. Me and Eric are part of the uh, one uh, civil suit against the Capitol Police. Yep. Uh, yes, right. And then all there's the guys, another all one. the guys who sued Trump and sued J Sixers are being sued back by those same J Sixers. Oh, I certainly wish you luck. I, I, I but I, I you know you know but I don't know. James won in a courtroom so uh with a judge you didn't think he could win and so maybe certainly there's so because you have to try to do something. Uh and I want I want to tell the Rockman chat I can actually see the Rockman chat today. So hello Angus and Rhonda and Chris Graves and, and thank you for the tip Angus. Appreciate that. I just want to let you guys know if you have questions over there. Don, I didn't get the uh, email from Tanawa. I, I didn't finish. Okay, it. let me let me put it back up here. Uh, let me find it. Uh, here it is. Can you read that? Yeah. Hold on one okay. second. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So we're we're at this stage where uh, people are rightfully frightened. But when you can have somebody like Ann Coulter, who's supposed to be on the right, 
and theoretically should be, you would think she would be outraged by this. I, I don't know what she, she's kind of disappeared for a while. Got it. But, okay. You got it. Okay. And, but the idea that, you know, somebody can confront her with the, uh, the video of this guy. I mean, how, how do you argue with somebody who sees video of a guy saying, let's go in the Capitol and says, no, he didn't, he, he, he didn't do that. I, I, there's it's no easy. argument for that. No, it really is easy, Don, because the public is seeing this. Like if I gave you a giant jigsaw puzzle, but I only gave you this piece over here and that piece there and this little piece here, and I didn't even tell you how close together those pieces were, you would have the exact view that the public has of January 6th. This new right. documentary that our, that the president of Gulag just released, David Sumrall from Stop Hate, is called J6, The Real Timeline. And you can find it at uh, open.inc slash J6. And it takes all of these different images that you've been from crowdsourcing, from the CCTV footage. And I want to remind everybody, Mr. Sumrall is the only DOJ certified video investigator who's been allowed to see the video, all of it. And so what you will see here is a simultaneous timeline. When Mr. Trump is talking, what is the crowd doing? Where are they at? Oh, Where I, I, th I watched that. I watched that. I watched that video. So I did, but that, that is, I didn't know it was the same video. That, that was really J6, the real timeline. And it, that is, that is three years worth of video investigative work by some amazing patriots, some of whom I'm privileged to know and call friends. It and is I, just like Eric. These are, these are great people and they're contributing. They're contributing to the memory hole, Don. We're <laughs> filling it up, brother. We are filling it up. Well, I, you know, I'm working on the next volume of this stuff now, and I don't know what I'll call that, but I mean, it, it, it includes January 6th and all that. I mean, this is a never-ending story. It's, oh. it's There you go. You just got your title. <laughs> it's very interesting to me. It's very interesting to me that these eternities uh, didn't put these timelines together because all that stuff, you know, when you know Trump was still speaking, all these things were happening. And the video from that time, and it's just it's interesting to me how they did not fight for these people, and they are not doing anything for the people. It, it's just the volume is huge, James. I mean, the volume is just overwhelming. So I'm just going to give you a, a you know think about what just got released, right? Everybody's all crowing about the release. That is 0.002% of that volume. If I sat down in front of this screen and started watching that video. And I watched it for 12 hours a day, for five days a week, for 52 weeks a year. I would still have only seen a little over 2,000 hours. And well, Tim, I wouldn't have been able to slow it down and zoom in and look. And so well, that's why you're, you're just beginning to see this. It's, it's, yeah. it's a Hercules work to do it. it well, really Tim, is. What, what, what do you think of when, because Tucker, uh, shortly before he was fired, and I think it was a real reason he was fired, had uh, some of that footage on, and he, he certainly shed light on who the, the shaman really was, what was really going on with the shaman, with the, the cops, uh, you know, moving him around and everything. But uh, what did you, because they clearly somebody got to him because he yeah. was supposed to be all week and he had one great night and they kind of in the second week and then the rest of the week, he just kind of, he was interviewing the shaman and that was about it, but there was not, nothing else. What what was he showing? And also, are any of you guys familiar with the work of Gary McBride? Gary McBride is a friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't That's know what happened. To, yeah, I, I don't know what happened to Gary. He's not getting back to any of us anymore. We've had him on the show early on, and uh, I know he he was on Alex Jones right about the same time, and yeah. he was supposed okay. to come back the next day and be on all day, and he never showed up, and none of us have heard from him since. So shed some light on him too. As we, we we'd like to know what's going on with him. Absolutely, M Five Newsgate. Okay, so yeah. We got on Tucker. David got on Tucker with the book, 
and pitch the book. Three days later, Tucker gets kicked off. So yeah. I'm not saying it was us, but if you go to Letters from Prison, you can see the book that got Tucker fired. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Lettersfromprison.us. All right. So the scenario really is all about um, Gary has been part of this, this work to produce this video that we've just been talking about, the timeline video. Um, I have a huge respect for Gary because he has taken the same kind of abuse that Jay Sixers have taken. He's lost his family. He's lost his friends, all the things related yes. to it. Yeah. And he's not a Jay Sixer like me. He's yeah. not a Jay Sixer. He's just a patriot who wants to see right done by these people and is outraged at what's happened in this country. And he sacrificed everything. I, I truly mean he's been sleeping in his car sometimes Yeah. Um, to get these videos, to produce it. If you haven't found it, go to Rumble, look for M5 Newsgate or Gary McBride or M5 Newsgate. Well, did, did he tell you what, what happened with Alex Jones, why he didn't come back the next day and hasn't been back since? I don't know. I, you know, because um, it was amazing he got on there because it was it was great. He was showing a lot of the Ray Epps stuff and oh, yeah. uh, a lot of the, the smoke things that were, were thrown out there. It was very revealing. And he supposedly had more, just as Tucker supposedly oh, no, had more things. He's still been releasing it, Don. It's still been coming out. Again, M5 Newsgate, go to Rumble. There are There's a ton <laughs> of videos out there. Or go to m5newsgate.com on the web, and you can follow it from there. He's on Twitter. Um, he's an amazing videographer, a very good friend, and has endured a lot. Um, and to reveal truth. Well, tell, tell him I said hi, and a, a lot of us are <laughs> are wondering what what happened to him. Chris Graves and uh, you know uh, Angry Tiger and uh, these people that were originally we because uh, we gave him a platform early on. I'd love to have him back on. We admire his work, but we we wondered what happened. He's just really been heads down. I mean, the, again, I just described to you what it was what it's like to just see two thousand hours of video, yeah. and um, and. If you think about the ones that what Parler saw, have you ever seen that cache of data? It's huge. They had to go through all of that individual data. They had to basically put all of this stuff in a chronography so they could tell it in a chronicle, a timeline, where you can truly see this video, that video, this all happening in the same sequence. You're going to need to watch it three times. You're going to have to watch it three times. It's a fire hose of information, but it finally, finally, it puts all those puzzle pieces on the table and slides them together. Give, give out the give out the address again where people can watch that. It's open.inc, open.inc slash J6, or you can go to stophate.com, which is uh, David's website, and find all his documentaries, Bloody Hill, Writing History, and Thousand Days of Terror, and of course, this one now. Uh, these guys are really heroes in my book. I call them superheroes without the costumes. They've been threatening to buy costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have have any of you guys? Because one of the one of the I think the biggest problem here again, it, 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 I think people are waking up to the charade that uh, politics is. Where it, it, when this happened, January sixth happened, the the party, the Republican Party, uh, you know, Trump is leading the Republican Party supposedly, and he's complaining about a lot of uh, you know obvious look like irregularities to put it kindly in the election and lots of you know indications of fraud. So there was justifiable outrage by it, uh, but nobody in the Republican Party, and that's the problem with that, nobody in the Republican Party is standing up for these prisoners. Why aren't they, if they had a unified, they should be outside that prison every day. And a few of them tried to get in there earlier, but have, have any of you guys gotten any response from the some of the Freedom Caucus or anything like that? I think what's happening, and this is just my opinion, um, the, these are all Republicans in name only. These people are not loyal to America. They're loyal yeah. to the globalist right. 
uh, faction that wants to just, you know, destroy countries and become a one world uh, conglomerate, whatever that is. Um, and, you know, we've been watching this for more than longer than we, you know, I think whether you like Trump or not, Trump woke up a lot of people like you mentioned, uh, what's your name, who is supposed to be a, a Republican or on the right. These people are they're actors and they this is controlled opposition. And we are waking up to how many globalists this is this is not about right or left or uh, Republican or Democrat. This is about globalists versus nationalists. Yeah. And um, so and good versus evil, you know. So um, it's that's what we we are look need to look at as opposed to how you know oh you know Republican this and Democrat that and that's that's how I view it and that that's me coming from a centrist mind. Absolutely. Well, we're over at Karen Carpenter over in the, the Rockfin chat asked a question other people did here. Uh, what you know basically about Trump pardoning the people. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about Trump, but I, I'm astonished. Like, for instance, Ashley Babbitt's mother is still very supportive of Trump. I, I think if I was one of the prisoners, I probably wouldn't be because I don't think he's been as vocal as he could have been. And there's a debate whether he could have pardoned them, but he didn't try. So what are you, what are your thoughts there? Because, I, you know, there's no guarantee he would ever be back in office. I know Joe Biggs thinks he'll be pardoned if he gets back in office, but I, I don't have any confidence that he would do that. What are your guys' thoughts on Trump? I have, I have thoughts on it. I, I like President Trump. I'm, I'm going to vote for him. I think he should. Uh, think about this. Let's say theoretically, hypothetically, that he could have pardoned people, many of which had yet to be charged, right? Right. Would that not give the government a, a RICO case, especially had he pardoned, pardoned someone that was a fed in the crowd that was antagonizing, causing violence? Would that not have connected Trump to every case of the person that he pardoned when they decided inevitably to come after him as well? And then wouldn't that give them farther to farther to, to uh, have uh, proof that there is was actually a crime? You know, can they turn Miller versus U.S. says, you can't turn an exercise exercise of a right into a crime. And, you know, so, yeah. Well, they've I, done I, it, though, okay. haven't they? <laughs> Pretty much pre-work done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, I mean, Ford pardoned Nixon before he was in charge of any crime. And he, he pardoned him when he left office again. And the idea was that he could have pardoned them against any future potential prosecutions related to the activities. And that was really, and I, that's why I don't have a lot of confidence that if he got back in office that he would pardon them. Or if, as you guys mentioned, uh, the same argument wouldn't be made that he can't, that it would leave him open because they're prosecuting for everything else. So they, they would probably prosecuting him for pardon them. I don't know how that would work. I think there's a couple of ways it could work. He's come right out and said that he would review every case and you have the possibility whether he's able, if he pardons them, um, it still doesn't undo the damages that's been done to their lives. Somebody like Eric. I mean, I want to point out, you know, we don't talk about it enough that the large percentage of these people who were originally swept up and a good percentage of the ones that are still being held without due process or have received the worst sentences. These are veterans. These are people who took the oath, who put their life on the line in most cases, who served their country honorably. And that scares the hell out of this administration. And that's why they've been picked out. But when it comes down to it, Trump has said over and over again that if you didn't do violence, if you didn't do harm and damage, that you, you're really you're you're an innocent victim. And well, I that, do believe they'll be either pardons or commutes. Well, the only thing is going to be pardoning is uh, people who, you know, everybody else was, you know, 
fed fed assets who are causing the the violence and, and provoke the folk uh, provoke the crowd to react, you know. Well, I think that's why he said on a case by case basis. You know, I think yeah. that was a wise thing to add to that little bit of a caveat that says not everybody is innocent, and we know that in the Jason community, we know that we know that some people acted badly, and they and they maybe or maybe not were feds. It doesn't matter. We know they acted badly. Yeah, and that really has never been our our fight. We don't we don't differentiate because it's not about what they did. It's about how they're being treated. It's about the destruction of their constitutional rights and their due process, because even if they're guilty, they deserve every opportunity to have the same protections as us. And if it's denied to them, it can be denied to you and I. And, you and said, I, I think that's the plan. Yeah. You said something very important, you know, pardon is, is one thing, but then like how would people get remedy to get their lives back? Even though I was acquitted, I lost everything, everything. I, I got my car just repossessed and um, just cut last month. And uh, I'm, I'm I, I, in my reputation. Oh, well, you've got, you've got to be stained with this. I mean, especially in the industry you're in, I mean, is, oh, yeah. has, have they blacklisted you or are you, are oh, you going to be in any plays or I'm sure of it. I mean, my reputation is absolutely ruined. I'm you know, with this J six Martin day, Scarlet letter on my chest. Yep. You know, I can't walk into a New York City audition, you know, being in the uh, orbit of January 6th. Because even before that, when I was on tour, that's all that, you know, my cast members and co-workers were talking about. Oh, the J January, it was frustrating to knowing that I was there and I'm, I may have gotten arrested, you know, right before I got arrested. Um, you know, people were talking about it, how awful it was. And, you know, they, they really believe that this was an inspection. Yes, yes, they yeah. honestly, truly believe every narrative out there that this is worse than what, when, and, when and how were you arrested? Well, like I said, um, I said earlier, I was in Milwaukee and I was going to have a meeting with my company manager. Um, we were actually going to get getting ready to go to Soundcheck for, um, for the show that night. It was on a Tuesday and I was staying in the hotel. And I was going to have a meeting with the company management. And when I walked into the meeting, my company manager walked out and there was the FBI there. Mm. And so it trapped me into a situation with the, uh, with the um, uh, FBI. My, my, so my, my employer was, were involved in my arrest. Right. And that's why I want to get in touch with this person that to 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 want. Well, that that's it. It seems it seems very similar to we've heard so much about family members. I mean, I know oh, in a couple of cases the, the 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 children of uh, of somebody contacted the FBI and said, "Yeah, that's my mom. That's my dad." There, it's unthinkable. But uh, yeah. your employer is kind of in the same line. Yeah, I mean that's that's grounds for I mean because they violated my core private rights, and that's what I want to go after my former employer for that um, because, you know, and then they wrote a, an inflammatory termination letter an accusatory termination letter based on the, what they said was the evidence by the DOJ. So they uh, painted me as guilty even before I went to trial. But now that I'm acquitted, uh, looking back on that, I'm, I'm an innocent man who was falsely charged. That's and right. and now, I, now I have a father to go, go after them. Absolutely. You, you actually took harm from that financial and physical. That's slander. That's provable harm. So you have yeah. a case. Absolutely. Yeah. E Eric, go back and go over again. I, I don't know if we discussed this or not. Uh, the, the source, first of all, were you, have you been charged? What, what are, what is the circumstance of your case? Have you been charged with anything? Did they ever visit your home or anything? Absolutely. I've been charged with uh, four, four misdemeanors, two, two for being on the Capitol grounds and, and two for being in the building. And, and I was a single parent. I was a single parent to my kids for, since they were nine and six. And I was a 25-year drug addict. I'm six years sober. 
And throughout, throughout all my addiction, every time I was arrested for legitimate crime, my, my, my little girl, my daughter was, don't arrest my daddy, don't arrest my daddy, wrote me beautiful letters while I was in jail for periods of time. And, and lo and behold, she turned me into the FBI. Oh, on behold, she turned me into the FBI. I didn't know you were one of them. Oh, geez. And well, so so directly, I'm on vacation for January 6th. I had three years sober at the time. I'm working as a CNC machine operator. And before I got home from my vacation, I was notified that I was fired. I had to go back into kitchens to work. And I would work, you know, I spent 25 years during my addiction, mostly in kitchens. They don't drug test. So, so I go back into the kitchen environment to work and I, 50, 60 hours a week, I'm exemplary cook. I, I know what I'm doing. I have great work ethic. And uh, so I go from 50 to 60 hours a week to five to 10 hours a week as soon as I have a hearing over January 6th. And the managers find out where I was on one day of the year. And I, I go through probably six different kitchen jobs before finally I'm like, I'm going to dedicate my time to finding every piece of footage I can. And just putting it all out there for the public to see. And in that process, I've gathered more than 2,000 hours of footage and become homeless. And and a lot of good people have reached out to me and used a lot of the footage that I've gathered. Not my footage, body-worn cameras, CCTV, other people's public footage, January 6th, persons that were there that aren't defendants, that are scared to release their footage, come to me, Eric, here's my footage. Please clip this time marker out that's where I show my face. Please clip that time marker out where I'm speaking. And, and I do. I, I comply with those requests. They're kind enough to give me their footage, kind enough to acquiesce. And so I've, I've become homeless. I was sleeping in a church pew where I went to church. And, and, a, and a good veteran, a 20-year Navy veteran here in Pensacola, Florida, invited me to come stay in her home. So I moved from Kentucky to Florida two weeks ago. I have pre-trial conference the 19th of this month and, and trial the 29th, pro se, pro se. And I, I think I stand a better chance than with a, with a lawyer, though. I think I stand a better chance than with a lawyer. Well, that's a sad, that's, you know, that's a sad commentary, isn't it? And the lawyers that also, you know, on, your, on the jury system as well, that you may probably stand a ch better chance for a judge as bad as they are. But, Eric, I mean, I, I, obviously, as a parent, my heart goes out to you. I can't imagine what that's like. So, you, you have uh, two children, so are, are you ostracized from your son as well? Or are you talking to either one of them? Neither of them are supportive? Well, my, my son has been extremely supportive. My son has been extremely supportive right by my side the whole time. He, he's back in Kentucky. Like, he has a family, his own life. Life goes on. And, uh, yeah, my most of my family, even not, not like my son, like my son is right by my side. He'll go through footage with me when I was still back in Kentucky, do everything he could to help. The rest of my family, they just don't want to talk about it. They want me to forget about it and just not talk about it and, and move on. And it's difficult to do when it's used against you every time you find a job, right? How do you move on when you can't get back into a field that you love? Like operating the CNC machines is something I never knew I would have such a passion before. But so I'm uh, very mathematically inclined and I loved it. Well, uh, you, um, again, my heart goes out to you for what you've gone through. But did you, and again, I, I apologize for missing this. But so were you, have you gone to trial? Were you convicted of anything? Or are you still? It's, January 29th of this month, I, I go to trial. Okay. All right. And, and what, what are, what are, do you know what your, what is your, what is your possible sentence? So it, the two of the misdemeanors each carry a year and the other two each carry six months. And the judge informed me when I went pro se at, at my, what's called a Feretta hearing where you have to prove your competency to stand trial as, as a pro se defendant, as a pro se litigant. And my, the judge informed me in that hearing, well, you know, Mr. Clark, 
if you're convicted of all four of these crimes, I can run your time consecutively. I can give you a year, a year, six months, six months, and make you serve three years. So I, 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 I took it as a threat. I took yeah. it as a threat, yeah. and I'll be happy to do three years for my nation. You know, I and I've seen all the video work you're doing, Eric, and buddy, we're all watching it. You're doing great. Follow Eric on Twitter, folks. Follow Eric Clark on Twitter. Yeah, this is some really amazing, and this is how it's going to happen. This is why we can make the videos. This is why we can make the documentaries, because people like Eric have just had enough, and they're getting out there and doing it themselves. And they're contributing to this big puzzle. Uh, and the puzzle is coming together, Don. It's coming together fast. You'll have yeah. a whole book on this one, my friend. Uh, well, I, 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 it's, to try to keep up with it is amazing. But just the uh, the people I talked to, I had a uh, a young lady on the show a while back, and uh, she, you know, I don't even know her own name, her real name. I mean, she had to, she remained anonymous, but she sent me video footage and pictures. I know she was there, but uh, she's terrified of being prosecuted. But what? In your case, Eric, it's it just it's, the treatment is so unequal all across. I mean, it's it's outrageous that anybody's being charged with anything. But you have Enrico Terrio getting, getting uh, the, the Hispanic white supremacist getting twenty two years more than anybody. So, I, I, if there was a Hispanics rights group out there, they should you know claim discrimination on that. How come the Hispanic guy got you know longer than anybody? You know, uh, but apparently it doesn't work for that. But no. and you have you have other people. The Proud Boys is a boogeyman. The Oath Keepers are boogeyman. So they they create these. They have to have. Uh, a boogeyman so that, you know, their followers and their sheep can, you know, have something to latch on to. They had to get those convictions. I mean, they had to. Well, yeah, they, 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 they're very vet they, because they demonize these people right away. They call them insurrections. So it's, it's curious that not a single insurrectionist is being charged with insurrection. That's kind of, yeah, it's, it's almost as, as strange as having a Hispanic lead a white supremacist group. So a lot of strange things going on. But then you have all these people that are in prison, now, Eric, you know, you've, you've gone through him like so many people. You made the ultimate sacrifice. You lost your family. I think Gary McBride, I think he's lost two of three of his kids. Two of his three sons, I think, are not talking to him anymore or whatever. So yep. his wife left him. So that's what happens. Invariably, the whistleblowers, or in this case, you're essentially a whistleblower because you're, you know, you're you're standing out there. You're, you're, you're saying this isn't right and what's happening to you. But what, how, how does it differ with you? And I'm not saying you caught a break or anything, but. Why were some people put in prison right away, put in solitary confinement, beaten, allegedly, all the stuff that we've heard and been kept there again, denied all due process without a single civil libertarian, the ACLU, anybody complaining, not a peep out of them for almost for three years now. And then there are people like you who you're going to go to trial this month, but you, you didn't serve any time in prison, correct? Correct. Not, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. No, but, I certainly hope you don't. But I mean, why no. do you think some were treated that way and some weren't? I just, just wonder. I think I think James touched on it well. I think it's a lot. Oftentimes, if you look at their affiliations, either they're a proud boy or they're an oath keeper or when or, or like me, I'm a veteran. But not only are they veterans, but a lot of them in there that don't have affiliations with, say, proud boys or oath keepers were some form of special forces. They were the most elite in our military. Green Berets like Jeremy Brown, you know, Definitely. there's a lot of that. A lot of if you look into it, a lot of the. Um, those that are incarcerated pre-trial that aren't Oath Keepers or Proud Boys are special forces. Mm -hmm. Decorated. And a lot Decorated. of those people were in, I witnessed the uh, Rosenbaum Boylan situation in the tunnel. Yes, yeah. Who were, who, who have, who I witnessed all that stuff that was going on. There was some, a lot of confusion around that whole thing. And I noticed that, noticed that a lot of those people were there, were there, or were there without, or in jail and gulag without any due process.
if you if if any of you have uh, uh, contact info for Roseanne's family, I know her sister I think was doing that, but I haven't been able to get in touch with that. I'd love to because really, you know, I've had Ashley Babbitt's mom on a couple times, and people know about her. But Gary McBride is the one who really I learned about Roseanne Boylan through. He he made a big deal about it and said, hey, there was another woman that was murdered by the police, beaten to death, and. Uh, but nobody knows her name. Do you know if her family is, uh, are they, is anybody doing interviews or talking about that? I bet you Tommy Tatum knows that some, that's a name we haven't mentioned yet. Another videographer who's, who's been going full blast. He was there trying to help Roseanne. Jake Lang basically helped him uh, get off a stairwell where he's being crushed and his leg broken. And they, he was in proximity, saw the whole thing. And, and I know he's been in contact with Roseanne's family in the past. But these are all people that are doing exactly what Erickson, they said enough. They're putting their brains and their time and their energy into finding things out and telling everybody who will listen. Um, the same thing in these books. Again, I, I keep coming back to the books because they're first person testimonies. Eric's testimony is in there. Why he went that day, why he felt God called him to do what he did. You can't get any closer than first person testimony, folks. Um, and again, all of these people need help. Eric is listen to his story. I mean, this is his work has made him homeless. His persecution has made him a pariah. These oh. people deserve our support. They really do. And the money from these books goes to support them. Well, Patrick Mill Project. Uh, I've I've received a lot of letters. I got some cards, Christmas cards and stuff. Uh, even even now that I've been acquitted, um, they like, and it's really it's it's just really nice to know that people care. That people are out there, um, you know, put a smile on my face. You know that, that there's people out there that really support you, and I, I'm sure I'm I'm is a lucky one of the lucky ones, and I wasn't thrown into the gulag, but um, and I just I, my heart goes out to them, um, and what you're doing is really important work. Um, I do have to, I do have to go in a few. I just want to you know say that I, I have a book myself that I'm wanting please, to please please promote it. Yeah, um, finish, and I'm hoping to get it done this year. Um, my, if you would like to donate to it, it's uh, givesendgo.com forward slash history with two S's, H-I-S-S-T-O-R-O-I. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I I would love to get that get that finished and tell my story. I've been meaning to write that or publish it before um, January 6th, but I have a few more chapters to write. <laughs> um, well, it's it's kind of an ongoing story. I mean, we don't really yeah. know. It's, but I, I certainly hope we'll be interested to see what happens with these lawsuits that are yeah. that are starting now. Because if you, if you can win any of them, that would be a huge victory. But uh, I mean, how how confident are we about that? Because the it's courts just, are so corrupt. It's nice to see. I mean, I, I was wondering this whole time to see everybody being victims and, and being, you know, the right being just really pummeled by you know, the, the power structure. And, uh, but now it's, it's nice to see them, some fight back, fighting back, you know, and I, I fought like nobody else fought in this whole case. And, um, and I won and I, I've proven that I, you know, there is hope out there and I'm just hope to hoping my precedent will, you know, will people will pay attention to it. Well, there, there, there's a question up there from Twisted Pistol, and again, it's about Trump. And I don't, I don't know if he exactly I'll, said that. I'll answer I, it. Yeah, answer it because what? Because we also it. heard that didn't he say? I read somewhere that on Truth Social that he said uh, he was going to send ten thousand troops or something like that to go after the. I mean, I, I, I don't explain that to us. So I, I can't really explain necessarily Trump's words, right? But but what I can say is there's one defendant by the name of Landon Copeland. Landon Copeland has since he's been in in the gulag 
he's came out and made a confession that he was in fact a member of Antifa, that he started an Antifa chapter in 2009, that he came to the Capitol with 250 members of Antifa, mm -hmm. and that 100 of the persons currently named as defendants are in fact members of Antifa that were working as confidential human sources for government agencies. Now, maybe Donald Trump was talking about those 250 individuals. Maybe there are there were some people there and even some among the arrested that were working in behalf of the federal government to perpetrate this false flag event that in fact deserves some time in prison. Right. Yep. If you if you participated with the government to entrap me and my fellow Americans and to chill our First Amendment rights, you deserve that time in prison and you deserve to be named in some of these civil suits as well. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. James, I, I, yeah, if you need to go, James, go ahead and give a, give out any links or whatever that you need to before you I want to make sure you oh, get to. Man, if, I, I'm, I, I just want to, you know, give it up for Eric. I mean, I, I'm following what he's doing and I'm just wishing the best, man, if you speak so passionately like you do on trial man just tell your story and hopefully you, you you get out of here get out of this whole situation um uh, the same outcome that i have so I, i'm praying for that and hope for that um again my my uh book is uh gifts and go www.gifts and go uh forward slash his story and i also have a, a legal fund because like i mentioned earlier i'm going after my former employers and um, it's uh, giftsandgo.com forward slash James to just if you want to help me out with uh, funding that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just struggling right now to build, rebuild my life, even though, like I said, I've been acquitted. It's, it's life is yeah. not beautiful. Well, he said, even for, for somebody that's one of the rare victories in this case where you somehow beat this system and man, I, anybody that beats this system, man, my hat is off to you because the, the system is so bad. It is so corrupt. And for you to go in there and, and, and be able to represent yourself and uh, get acquitted by that judge in particular, that's, that's amazing. So uh, congratulations are in order, but you still have to face, uh, you know, earning a livelihood now because you're, you're probably still going to have that stigma yeah. for the rest of your life. Oh, he was January yeah. 6th guy and he got off, you know, yeah. you know so. Well, you know, people. Well, I was going to say, um, my, I, my very first memories are being in the foster care system, um, abused and abandoned in the foster care system. And uh, I was in prison for the first five years of my life. And I said to myself, I'm not going back to that. I overcame and became a five-time Broadway star. I overcame and, and uh, overcame and, and got out of poverty. I um, use my voice in in uh, and to to not be a statistic as a melanated man in America, and uh, and and you know now and throughout the whole January six uh, nightmare, I said to myself, if I can get through what I got through as an infant child through that horrible foster care uh, system, I can get through this, and that was and God has has been with me, He's been in me. And, and, and shown through me. And I'm hoping, you know, to inspire others through my story. And that's why I think my book is so important for uh, get finished and um, help. So um, with that, you know, thank you so much for your time, Eric. I wish you the best. If you need any um, things, you know, give me a call and we're right. We can uh, love to help you out with that. Thank you, James Beeks. Appreciate you being here. Wish you all the best of luck and uh, with your book. And so again, go support him at Give, Send, Go. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, James. All Good right. luck to you. Look, look for you on Broadway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bring Maggot to Broadway. We'll see. <laughs>
that. Okay. All right, buddy. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being with us. Um, okay. So let's, let's, so Tim, again, how, how did you, you weren't there on January 6th. Nope. So how, how, how did you become involved? Did you just know people that were there or you were just an outraged citizen like a lot of us are? A letter, a single letter changed my life. Eric's heard the story. Um, I wrote a January 6th. I just picked one out of the hat. Didn't, didn't even, had no idea who I was writing to, who they were, what they did, anything. Just my wife and I wrote him a letter of support. And he sent me a four-page letter back that destroyed my heart. And I tell everybody it, it just set something on fire, which turned me from mild-mannered, retired executive to furious Tim. Um, these people need a voice, and there's being silenced. Um, I can't think of anything better to do with the rest of my life than to be their voice, to make sure their messages get out there, to make sure Eric's message gets out there, to make sure Mr. Copeland's message gets out there, to make sure that that uh, that Jeff McKellop, the gentleman I wrote to, who is sitting in a Dallas-Fort Worth mental prison mm. and has not seen trial since March of 2021 when he was arrested. That's why I'm furious, Tim. Well, that, well, that's that's a, that's a, that's a bit different. So they just basically said he was nuts because he was there. Why? Why did they? Why is he in a mental institution? Because that's how they silence you. That's how that's it's a Stalinist oh. method. Go back and read social media. Sure, sure. This is how yeah. you make sure people's testimonies can't be credited. Is yeah. you basically slander them and then do everything you can to discredit. And by the way, this guy is a 22 year special forces veteran, a ranger. Did his time, went out, 9-11 happened, went back in, qualified for Green Beret, and then served for 22 years. And the last 10 years has been doing protective services for the State Department. Never been arrested. Father of two beautiful children, Paige and Davis. And he was arrested in that type of brutality that we've talked about here on this show. And that you can you can listen to his testimony at our website at j6patriotnews.com. Eric's out there, too. Go to the interview section. Listen to our interviews. Read the letters. Educate yourself. Quit listening to the narrative. And then don't do nothing. Absolutely. Well, what, what, what's, what's your impression of it? You mentioned he had two beautiful children. Uh, I think Joe Biggs had a family. I don't know. But... Uh, what, how have, um, how are the families and Eric, we saw, unfortunately what happened to Eric and uh, Gary McBride, who wasn't even there again, but just getting involved in this. Uh, how, how do you think most of the people in prison do, do you get the notion that the families are abandoning them or have, are they allowed to visit them even? How does that work? Well, I'm going to, I just want to say something right away. A lot of people have said, well, look how many guilty pleas they got. What they got was, what they got was plea deals. And they right. got those because these people could not watch their families be destroyed, their children right. given PTSD, sent into penury, lose their homes, lose their houses. And many people have succumbed to that, that they are willing to take the guilty, even though they're not guilty, because they want to spare their families that pain. But for those who have not been given that opportunity, who refuse to bend the knee, the penalty for their families has been great. Um, and it's one of the things that we do at American Gulag Chronicles is some of these money that comes from these books. We try and keep these families in their homes. We try and keep them together, make their car payments, sometimes insurance payments, sometimes medical, whatever yeah. it takes to keep them alive. And let me tell you, that makes a big difference to the people who are in these prisons because they know that somebody is looking out for them and for their families. Right. And, right. and that's a patriot thing to do. That's a duty. And if you're listening to this and you're not involved, go to patriotmailproject.com, pick out a prisoner from your state, write them, 
and let's see if we can set you on fire. Yeah. Amen, Tim. Amen. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And you know, people, you know, however we can support them, and uh, that you bring up a good point because not only are these a lot of these people, unfortunately, lose their families or get ostracized by their families, but even if their families support them, they're going to be tarred with the same brush. Oh, you know, your your dad's an insurrectionist. You know, your 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 you know your husband's an insurrectionist. Whatever. That, that must be a terrible uh, price that people don't realize when people are touched by it. I write about a lot of this stuff. You know, I've, I've written a lot about Lee Harvey Oswald's mother, who was in reality a really great woman. I had a guy on the show, became her best friend in her later years. But imagine what her life was like. You know, she, she, was, she was fired instantly from her job after the assassination. She was already elderly. She couldn't work. Nobody would hire the rest of her life. And she was tarred by the media as, uh, you know, trying to hawk photos and inter pay charge for interest. She had no other means of income. What was yep. she supposed to do? And I think that's, that's the unfortunate part. And I, I, I hope that doesn't happen to people associated with January 6th, but people are, you know, you, you, you mentioned uh, seeing all the people, the comments and everything. And, and, and there, I know there are millions of people out there whenever I talk about this year, they, they think everybody that was in Washington DC should be hanged. Yep, they really do. That's, I mean, how, how, that's yeah. so hard. That's so hard to understand. Yes. yes. Um, and, and I think that's that's the divisiveness that this narrative is constantly pushing that blacks hate whites and whites hate black mm -hmm. and are racist. Or these guys, you know what we're doing, dude? We're erasing. You, you're trying to bring stuff out of the memory hole. These guys are trying to erase memory. Yeah. We are our memories. Everything about us, not just the individual, but our country is about the memories, the hard-worn experiences, the blood and the sweat and the death that makes us who we are, that gives us the quality of life, that gives us the, the patria of America. And, and you know, it's, it's getting lost because they want to erase it. It's, it's the one thing that Americans have is our heritage, and they want to erase it. And people who stand up for it, like Eric and everybody who went that day, and all the folks who have tried to do good since then, gosh, I have met the most amazing people, Don. Yeah. I, I can't believe that I'm 68 and I'm meeting heroes every day, every day. Hero. People like Eric, but even, even greater people who weren't there that day who are sacrificing everything for this because it's a fight for the Republic. It really is. It's not just about J6. I, I interviewed Zach Rail, the Proud Boy. He got 17 years. Three days after his sentence, you can listen to his interview. You know who he was meeting in that waiting cell? People who had been protesting outside an abortion clinic, a couple of parents who'd been in the school board meeting and a doctor who was being sued for not working with the vaccines. Mm -hmm. That's who he met in this prison. It's not just J6ers anymore. And people like you and I and Eric who will speak out, certainly we're on that baseball card list. Guarantee yeah. Oh yeah, it, and I, it, it, it terrifies again the prospect because if you you know I I have an alibi that day I was in a dentist chair you know so they uh, but it doesn't seem to matter it won't matter it won't I mean, matter because, because it's about the narrative and control yeah and if you if you're expressing support I mean it's not not necessarily that I'm even supporting them I and I and I think you know again I probably would uh, they, they probably would agree with what I say a lot of the time most of the people I think that are in prison but that's that's irrelevant to me. Because you either have a legal system or you don't. You either have the rule of law or you don't. And they've been denied all due process. You yeah. can't lock people up for three years and, and uh, 
especially if they were thrown in. I mean, there's nobody, nobody there. I mean, what was the worst crime? Breaking a window, fighting back against a cop. They're thrown in solitary confinement, beaten. Uh, no, the worst crime was murder. The worst crime that well, day yeah. was murder. Well, yeah, that I'm was talking the worst yeah. crime. Well, I'm talking about on the, on the part of the of the, the protesters. They didn't murder yeah. anybody, although they still continue to lie and say they did. I will tell you that yeah. um, that until Americans will, will put aside their fear and understand their their duty, I I always tell people in these when I get a chance to speak like this, I want you to find a picture of your children or your grandchildren. I, I want you to sit there and think about all the good times that you've had as a child and look at their pictures and try and imagine what you're going to say to them, why you allowed that that beautiful thing that you had as a child to be taken from them and fit them for shackles. How will you explain that to you? If you cannot find your courage by doing that, then you're beyond hope. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, uh, have you, have, have you, either one of you guys, Eric, have you, have you reached out to anybody that's in prison? Are you, are you communicating with anybody there? Can they communicate regularly yeah, with people? We, yeah, we talk to them all the time. I had three prison calls today. I talked to them on Corlink, Securus, uh, GTL getting out. Uh, we stay in contact. Otherwise, how could we tell you these things? Yeah. How, how could we relate? How could we write these letters? How could we put all this together for you if we did not stay connected? And you can do the same. You can go to patriotmailproject.com, pick a prisoner, start writing, get a relationship, support them, and you can talk to them too. It's very simple. They'd like to make you think it's difficult. Um, I can't visit anymore. They blocked me from all my BOP visitation requests, but I can still talk to them. I can still write them. I can still communicate. And I think everybody else should too, because that's what sustains them. If Eric gets sent to prison, trust me, I'll be writing to Eric. I, I will be talking to Eric. I will be staying in contact with Eric because that's what we're supposed to do. Who remembers Matthew 25, 35 through 40? Uh, the least of these, the things you do, the least of these, yes. my brothers and sisters, you do for me. That's that's the credo that Americans Absolutely. should adopt right now, because this is a time just like the revolution. This is a time when we need the American courage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I could say the same. I, I spoke with Jake Lang today by phone. You know, he gets 15 minutes, 15 minutes on the phone. But it but it's an inspirational 15 minutes when you get to talk to one of those guys in the gulag every time they're they're not downhearted like like you would expect. They're not beaten and broken. They're, their spirits are actually way higher than some of us that aren't incarcerated. Right. So it's been a roller coaster for me. But these guys, they, they sit in there, they work out, they read the word, they grow spiritually and physically every day. And, and it's a beautiful thing to see. But, you know, they should be free. Right. You know, they yeah. should be free. Oh, it's, it's, and, and the fact that we and I, I am I, I talk about being a civil libertarian all the time because that's when I got into politics. I was on the left. I was a card carrier member of the ACLU when I was a teenager. And uh, they were a completely different organization then. And you know, we don't have we don't have any civil libertarians today at all. They're, they sh I mean, this is what is happening is an outrage. And they should. I mean, first of all, just for the people that are in prison, have been not on the process for them. The ridiculous, outrageous sentences that some of these people are getting as well. But. I don't see anybody on the left speaking out at this. No, no civil libertarian except me to my limited platform. There's no other civil libertarian I see that just is concerned about the really the uh, the bastardization of the rule of law here. They've twisted it, and it's so being so unfairly and unevenly applied. Especially when you juxtapose it against what happened in 2020, where you had way more protests. Yep. Same kind with political protests. They were just protesting something else. 
but you either have a right to protest. Or you don't. you can't have a right to protest some things, but not other things. And they politicized this and made this into an insurrection. When you had, had some of those groups took over uh, state capital, at least one, I think it was the state capital was taken over. Nothing happened. Was that an insurrection? They drove Donald Trump into the bunker, for God's sakes. They yes, tried to set exactly. church on fire and burn it down. Excuse yeah. me. And they and, and when they when they started Eric, when they tried Eric, to, you walked around on the grass, bad boy. I was sending you to prison for this. Yeah, come on. And that, and that well, the, the church thing is a perfect example how they twisted that. Where Trump, in his awkward way, was going and, and uh, he 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 wasn't the bad guy there, but they criticized him for holding up a Bible or something. And they had just set fire to a church, yeah. and they just completely that was lost in the shuffle. What what they did, I mean. This, this the narrative is twisted and spun so dishonestly, and I, I can't believe there's no there's no. And I believe me, I've talked to a lot of people that agree with me on the JFK assassination and some other things. I can't get through to them. They, I'm Eric. They they hate all you guys. I mean, they they think that they really think you're insurrectionists. They think that what you were doing that day was you know attempting to circumvent a free and fair election and all that stuff. And it's just. I, I don't know how you argue with people like that because they're beyond hope and there are millions of them. You make them read this damn book. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Lock them in a room and they can't come out till they finish where, it. Where where can we get the book? Lettersfromprison.us. It's very simple. Lettersfromprison.us. Um, you're gonna you're gonna read some incredible testimonies in the first person. And you're gonna along the way, you're gonna do what we've been doing here with Eric. You're gonna find out what incredible people they are. Normal, everyday people, veterans, cops, I, I, you know, I could go on and on. And, and they're being treated unfairly in America because they want the people to watch it and be afraid. And that's the exact opposite of what you do. Go back to how well, I love that, that movie, V for Victory. Um, it's time. It really is time to stand up as, as a country, to stand up as a united we the people and demand something from our congressmen and senators, so some accountability. Um, if you have a pencil and paper, 202-224-3121. I'll give it again, 202-224-3121. That is your congressional switchboard. That's the switchboard for the People's House. Do it Do it again. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in the chat room. 202-234? No, 202-224-3121. 2242131 okay and and just give them your zip code and tell them you want to speak to your representative or you want to speak to your senator and they'll get you there and even if you get the recording leave the message release the hostages release the video give us some justice in America or find another job Absolutely. Well, it's just, I mean, so we, we talked about, uh, we've had a few members of the Freedom Caucus, a uh, few Republicans that tried to visit the prisoners. It's probably been a couple of years ago now and they didn't get, well, get tried there. They, they tried to get, so has, has any, has anybody seen the prisoners? Has any, has any congressional representative been able to see them? Gomert, uh, Troy, I don't think Higgins has been in there. Certainly MTG has been there a number of times. There's been a number of people who have gone in and visited them. Okay, um, so they did. Okay. Yeah, and I spoke to MTG at, at uh, Mar-a-Lago back in September about this. I kind of cornered her, and yeah, she has a copy of the book. I made sure she admitted oh, okay. that she had read it. And then I asked her, why are you not 
I mean, I hear you screaming about a lot of things, but can you explain to me why you're not screaming on the top of your lungs about January 6th prisoners? And she said, because nobody will listen to me. Nobody in Congress will listen to me. And I believe her. I believe that the caucus has an intent to do it, but they simply cannot get the uniparty to come to heel. And so maybe we got to get rid of them. You know, do it the right way. Vote them out. What do you, what do you guys think of Ramaswamy? I I I I like everything this guy says. I mean, he, what do you think of him? I like oh, everything. I like everything he says, but it seems like he's plagiarizing Obama, and I'll leave it there. Yeah, I kind yeah, of feel like he's that, a yeah. consummate po- consummate politician. Yeah. You know, what do you What would you like to hear? I got one of those right here. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's as smooth. He's very. He's sharp as a tack, and he's. Uh, and I look, I, I got to say, people think I, I'm just saying that the reason because people tell me all the time he's disinfo. I've heard the Obama thing and all that. But I watched him interview Alex Jones on TV mm-hmm. and he had a cop. There was a copy of one of my books, Hidden History, on the bookshelf behind him. Boom, boom. Now, and I didn't I didn't send it to him. So I'm saying, how can I not like that guy? Somehow you got like to like him. So uh, maybe he'd make a great vice president. I, I think that's what they're all primarying for now. Why well, Donald Trump kind of stays out of the debates is because he's looking at it like who's going to be my VP pick. Well, Trump could go a long way to making people who are uneasy about him uh, feel better by picking somebody like him or uh, even Rand Paul or somebody like that, that people trusted as being different. And, uh, but if he does something and I, I just, again, his track record is, is you know, if he, Certainly, if he goes to Nikki Haley, he's he has no chance because people there are going to be millions of people that won't vote for him just because of that. I heard and, I heard Ben Carson being banted around the other day. Sleepy Ben, you know. So yeah, knows? I mean that's I mean that's again I just wouldn't be my first pick. I just I just think Ramaswamy is because he's the one that's carrying the rhetoric. Yeah. In these he debates, he's the only one that's talking about it because Trump isn't there and logically that's who he should pick but uh i, I don't know it, I, I just i don't see that happening i will but. tell you we offered a briefing but we've never heard back so yeah oh you offered to brief vivek okay yeah. yeah we offered to take our whole video crew and give them the same kind of briefing we gave uh senator massey i mean representative massey but did, we did, haven't heard did, back from him so did massey you were able to brief him Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. He's uh, Gary, he's the be- he's the best uh, guy in Congress, I think. Tommy Tatum did that. Tommy Tatum did that, and just recently Gary McBride too. We paid for them to fly up there and meet with these guys because obviously they're you know they're living uh, hand to foot. I mean hand to mouth. So um, that's all, that's another thing we try. Well, and, yeah, we try and we try and enable people like Eric and and Tommy and and I mean that's. These are the fighters, you know, they, somebody's got to be on the back. You, you can be the front line, but somebody's got to supply you and keep you fighting. And, and that's kind of what we do. Oh, absolutely. And that you guys are doing great work and that we, you know, it's, especially the people that are in print, that must give you strength though. If the, if these guys that are being treated the way they're treated and they're denied all due process uh, for three years, uh, if they have a good attitude, man, that's got to, especially when they're saying they must, have they mentioned anything to you when they, when they see a Joe Biggs get 17 years, or when they see, uh, you know, Enrico Tario get 22 years, or when they see, uh, even when they see Owen Schroyer, who was never in the building and was telling people not to go in the building, when they see him get 60 days, he shouldn't have got 60 seconds. Does that, uh, are they more fearful that they know they're going to get an outrageous sentence probably when they finally go to trial? 
I can't speak for Eric because he's he's been waiting an awful long time for justice. Um, I can tell you that in this second book, they have developed um, a philosophy of survival. Um, they've been in the gulags. They've been moved around. Some of them been diesel therapied for nine or 10 different prisons, moved around constantly. So their loved ones and people can't track them and help them. Um, they have developed a method of perseverance, a method of faith. I mean, the faith is just what's really surprising, I, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm not sure mine is that strong, but these gentlemen have some incredible faith. And I think that's what uplifts them. And the fact that they know that people are out here supporting them still, believing in them, not forgetting who they are and where they are, uh, gives them a stamina that is superhuman, really superhuman. And it comes through in their letters. I'm just telling you, because almost every one of these letters, there's one central theme. Thank you so much for writing to me and not forgetting that I was here. Well, it's, and I think it's that patriotism they have probably that they still somehow against all reason really trust the system. And uh, I, I, I mean, I'm met with skepticism from my audience whenever I even talk. I Look, I, I, I don't I, for a long time. I thought there was massive electoral fraud. I wrote about it. In my book, Hidden History, it goes back to vote scam and the Collier Brothers. 2020 was the first example, but it's the most outrageous. So, yeah, people are saying, why are you talking about voting? And Martin Thorne says, Rand Paul, I don't think so. The guy was, and I know his wife, uh, you know, but, but he's Ron Paul's daughter, uh, son. And Ron Paul is one of my heroes. Ron Paul is one of the greatest politicians. He wrote, he wrote a forward to one of my books, Crimes and Cover-Ups. So I, I, and how can I not love Ron Paul? Absolutely. And, and I, his son has not been as good as him. But uh, I still think, considering the other choices, that it would uh, – yeah. It would please a lot of people if he picked Ron Paul. So, and again, he, he said, people are saying, uh, how can you, Geesebuster said, how can you just talk about voting? And I guess that's the point. How, how could you guys, because I'm skeptical about it, because we know the reason they're in prison is because they complained about the last election and Donald Trump is being prosecuted currently for complaining about the election. I'm just going to put it to you, Don. What do you think is going to happen when on election day, on November, on the day after election, if Donald Trump wins, what do you think the left will do? And well, if yeah, Donald yeah. Trump is cheated, what do you think the right will do? Right, and that's what I'm saying. At this point, I mean, I, I don't see how any of us could trust that that the votes are going to be honestly counted. I mean, especially because nothing after 2020, all these people in prison, people like Eric still face the prospect of that. And they're supposedly looking for a thousand others or something. They want to find even more people that weren't there. So, and that was from the last time. No reforms were made because no acknowledgement that fraud took place. And they want to prosecute you for saying that it did. So in 2022, we saw the results of that. It certainly looked the same kind of thing. And a lot of their people like uh, Carrie Lake, especially, and Blake Masters in Arizona, and, and Carrie Lake apparently is is maybe going to be prosecuted for complaining about the election out there. So it's it, you're right. A after this election, because so many people are thinking that Trump could win, he's ahead in the polls. But if he does win, the other side, I, I think you're going to see protests that aren't aren't, yeah, aren't mostly peaceful. Let's put it that way, because uh, they're certainly not going to accept that. Nope. And but on the other hand, the other side. At this point, that's probably going to be Trump's last chance to run. There's I, 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 Don, if we don't, if, if I just don't want to say it this way because I don't, I don't want to everybody. If Trump doesn't win, I don't want everybody to give up. But I think he's our last great hope for the republic. I really do. Yes. Um, and I think that if he loses, that we are in for the biggest crap storm you have ever seen, and you better have your go bag ready. 
Um, right, I'm exactly. already having troubles here in my county with migrants, uh, illegal immigrants trying right. to get licenses. They're working in jobs that other Americans could have. They've attacked people in our neighborhoods and out. I mean, it's already started, my friend. When the $5,000 runs out, what will they do? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I just want to dread Martin Thorne. I'm glad to see you here. Uh, it's not my standard that somebody likes my book, but obviously if some, if a, if a politician has one of my books, that's going to prejudice me in favor of him. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, how, how could that not affect, affect me? I mean, that's ridiculous. He's so either that's, your biggest fan or your biggest detractor. One yeah, of the two. Yeah, copy, right? exactly. So, I mean, if, if, uh, so, and I, Ron Paul, you know, my son did voluntary work for him. We went to his rallies. He was robbed completely. Again, massive vote fraud going back to 2012. I mean, Ron Paul probably run, won every primary. That year, and, and, and they didn't let him win one. He would win the internet primaries by, they had vote online. He'd win 80% of the votes, whatever. I saw how crowded it is. The crowd was wrapped three times around the building and people were carrying signs saying, honk if you love Ron Paul. And all the cars were honking. And uh, so he had tremendous support. So yes, Rand is not as good as him, but he's still better than most of the others out there. And of all the choices Trump could make, he certainly beats any of the others. I think people would feel better about it because he is a Paul. So you, you could do worse. You could certainly do worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, uh, but I think, you know, what we need to look beyond this because again, more and more people. And I think, you know, all the people that voted for Trump have come to the realization, obviously, that the vote, you know, that they're not counting the votes honestly because of the last election, but they're still hopeful that they will this time. And I think that's where they get because if if they if the same thing happens, and um, you know whoever the Democrats, I don't know if it's going to be Biden or whoever, they win. Um, what do you think the correct? Because at this point, can you have another? You can't have another January sixth. At that point, is do you have people talking secession? And uh, that's probably the best choice, but we saw what happened in 1860 with that. So it's not a great track record of that. So what do you think would happen if, if, if Trump doesn't get elected? I'm going to decline that one. <laughs> Here's what I say. Here's what I say. I say, so since 2020, I've made it my point, a point to, to be a poll worker, to show up to precinct committee member meetings, to get involved at a local level. I don't trust the elections, but they're not going to change if we don't get involved. Like yeah. my parents are big conservatives and they were huge Ron Paul fans. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say that if people didn't see it then, but they see it now, get involved at a local level. Get involved at a local level. I don't want to think about what January 6, 2025 could be. I want to think about what we can do now between now and November to make sure things go right. Amen. Amen. And we all pray for that, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm coming up on a hard stop, but it's been an honor to be on uh, with Eric, somebody I really think of as a friend, even though we probably have never met in person. We're only a couple hundred miles away from each other, but I've well, met so it. many people like Eric that have just, they're just sterling human beings who really believed in their country and they should not be persecuted for this. And, uh, and we'll do everything in our power as long as we breathe to make sure they get freedom. And no, you're, I'm, I'm you're very honored. Right. Well, I want to, I'm looking forward to your book, Don. I want to see the next Down the Memory well, Okay, well, it's 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 basically a continuation. I had Hidden, Hidden History, which is my bestseller still. Uh, there was a JFK, basically JFK assassination up to the Obama years when it was published. And then I had Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776-1963. That's the one Ron Paul wrote the forward to. And that's basically from the American Revolution up to the JFK assassination. 
And this one is kind of a combination of both. We'll have a lot more on JFK, JFK Jr., Oklahoma City, but we'll go back to Lincoln and FDR and all this to show you that these things have always existed. And uh, we didn't get where we are today by accident. No. The, re the reason we're in this situation today is because of all this stuff that happened in the past. And unfortunately, uh, uh, too many Americans let it happen. And uh, it takes hard sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. It takes willingness and it takes courage. And aren't those the values that we we say is American home of the brave land of the free? Yeah. yeah. Um, you think so? Yeah. Uh, we can't be land of the free if we aren't the home of the brave. Well, we're okay? still talking about democracy and, and they're, they're, they're basically saying people like Eric threaten democracy. And that's it's it's ridiculous. The people that question the vote in a democracy, supposedly, and we're really a constitutional republic. But let's let's say we're we're not either one, really. We're not we're not functioning as either one of them. But uh, a democracy, supposed to be your most precious right, is the right to vote. So, if there are questions about it, and millions of people have questions about it, you know, basically everyone that voted for Trump, I would say almost all of them, you know, thought something was wrong. I said, that's the problem. They, they opened up a can of worms here because that 70, 80 million people that voted for Trump, regardless of what you think of Trump, they're not in my world. They're not all the way down the rabbit hole, but they've seen enough to know how corrupt everything is. And they, you know, they, they understand the system isn't working. The system's rigged as Trump used to say, and it's, he's exactly right. So having seen that, uh, they're, this, they're, they're going to, at some point, they're going to say, well, we, we have to turn away because if we can't vote, we can't vote ourselves out of this and they won't let us secede. What are we going to do? We can't, because we basically, most of us, I think, I'm sure you guys would probably agree is that we'd be just fine being, you know, in a, in a separate area somewhere. I'm looking having, for a spot in the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without having to worry about Karens and everybody coming around, you know, and trying to mm -hmm. demand you do this. We'd be fine with that. But the problem is, That'd they be the end never. of the republic. Yeah, that'd yeah. be the end of the republic, end of our civilization here in America. And I think that they'd be happy to see that. They'd be happy to see the chaos that they could then rule over. But um, but I'm I, again, I'm very privileged to have spoken with you guys tonight. Well, I you got to go. I understand. So Tim, thanks for Tim Rivers, and and give us give all your links again. Promote what you need to promote. Absolutely. Come to our website. Stay informed. Stay informed. Eric's stuff is out there. We we keep track of all of this. J6PatriotNews.com. Letter J, number six, patriotnews.com. Find the book at lettersfromprison.us. Get you a copy, folks. These are either going to be one of the most prized books that you pass down to your kids about what's happened during this period, or they're going to be the most banned books in America. Either way, you're going to want a copy. Um, lettersfromprison.us. And Eric, you know, my heart's with you, buddy. I got my fingers crossed for your trial, and I, I know what's coming up for you, and, uh, and we're praying for you. Thank you, Tim Rivers. Watch his film. Read his book. Thanks so much for, for being on the show, Tim. Thank God. Don't Thanks do nothing, much. America. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. So, um, Eric, so, when, so you're saying, so how, how are you, you, you have your son still supporting you. You said your family kind of is, have you, uh, obviously you can't just, you can't just go out and, and get a job anywhere. You said you had to kind of go back into the kitchen. So, so does, does this follow you everywhere when you find like the people know who you are when you when you apply somewhere? Do they, is that do they do, is the baggage there with you? They know that you're a J sixer. In in Louisville, Kentucky, it it generally was because my face was all over local news channels for for quite a while after the arrest. A lot of allegations were made against me as in white supremacist, insurrectionist, domestic terrorist. None of which are true, right? I mean, I raised my kids in the west end of Louisville. 
They're both in interracial marriages. All my grandchildren are interracial little grandbabies. They all love me to death. And, and, and even when places where it's not, with a hearing every two months for the past three years, you have to take time off work for these things. It, it comes up. It comes up. It's found out. With you posting, with, with me posting all the footage I can find all over social media, it spreads around. Um, like I said, I, right now, that's no longer a concern of my employment. This, this veteran I'm staying with, she had a shoulder replacement surgery and the upper half of her arm replaced. So she needs a lot of help here in her house. And, and, I'm, and I'm happy to help her in return for the place to stay. Next week, I fly back out for D.C. for a pre-trial conference, then trial. So this is about to come to a head. And, and from there, I'll probably let, let's have that expect, expectancy of victory from there when I beat the pants off the government and, and show this jury that it was, in fact, a Fed surrection, not an insurrection. I plan to come back down here to Pensacola, help take care, care of Sue, find some gainful employment and, and restart my life here in a new place where it's not so liberal. While, while Kentucky's a red state, Louisville is most definitely a blue city. And you can tell it. You could tell it because in my 25 years of addiction and 33 arrests, I never spent a longer period in jail than 12 days. 12 days as a meth addict and a heroin addict. But I'll probably, you know, the, the chances are good that I will do a year or more for peacefully and patriotically walking up to the Capitol and and getting pretty, pretty much pushed in through the doors, not assaulting anyone, not breaking anything, right? Remaining peaceful, helping someone. At least I thought that's what I was doing was helping this crisis actor. But all that said, I've had some small victories in court pro se already. Just like I, I talked about all this footage I've been posting all over Twitter, especially body-worn camera and CCTV footage. A group of military veterans came to me last uh, September, and they had posed as these, there, there's this group out there, they're called Sedition Hunters, and they helped the government hunt us all down. So the, these military veterans with, with still government jobs, with clearances they want to protect, had pretended to be these Sedition Hunters. They had infiltrated that group of people and gotten a hold of some databases, some archives of footage that they had. So I post all this stuff. They give it to me. I post it all over Twitter. And just a few weeks ago, I was called into court about that. The prosecution wanted me help pre-trial for the last month I had until I had my trial, right? And because I posted all this footage that is apparently, according to the prosecutor, some of what I posted is still classified as sensitive and highly sensitive, not yet been made public. Well, I got all that from a Sedition Hunter database. So after the prosecution went on and on about how I violated national security and needed to be admonished, and I got my chance to speak, and I got to tell the judge where this came from, where it originated, and would they be you know, bringing these sedition hunters, particularly the one um, at OSINT Yeti on Twitter, who, whose database had the most, the, all the body-worn cameras and CCTV footage in it, surely they would be bringing them into court to, to determine where they got it, right? And, and why they would post matters of national security all over the internet. And they ended that hearing quite abruptly after my statements. Do, do you do you think, Eric, that uh, would you even would they even know about you? And would you ever have been arrested if uncharged if uh, if it wasn't for your employer? Or for my daughter, for my daughter. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's your daughter. I'm saying no, it's okay. Daughter. Yeah, yeah, they would have because I was I, I, I'd already been posting footage, my personal footage on Facebook 
and I'd already been kind of combating the false narrative in the comment section. So, so they, they most certainly would have found that found out I've forgiven my daughter. She, she's my little girl. She's still my princess. I still love her. I still love her to death and, and I forgive her. And we, we've kind of mended our relationship since then. She's still quite liberal, overboard, woke mind virus, liberal, N not, not the good civil liberties kind, but the, the woke mind virus kind. Yeah, there, there aren't, there aren't many of the good kind anymore. That's for sure. Take it from somebody who that's what I was and kind of still am. But uh, yeah, it's uh well, I'm glad you can you can be that forgiving, and that's wonderful because yeah, they are they are our kids, but that's boy, that's tough. That's tough to have. Uh, that had to be a shot to the gut, boy. I mean, that's that's just really you know. I I, I feel for you, and uh, you know, it's I feel for you being in the position you're in, and just uh, it's. Uh, but I guess you you get strength from having talked to some of the people that are in prison, and then finding out that they seem to have a decent attitude about it. Absolutely, absolutely. That that's. The word and and staying in a in a church congregation, not because of the dogma that comes with it, but just because of the people, the people that you get to meet and interact with, that that studying of God's word really resonates and helps bring my spirits up, my ministers. But but beyond that, most definitely getting to hear some of these prisoners talk sometimes and, and conversate with them on the phone is very uplifting. It's very uplifting because it weighs on you. It weighs on you wondering why you're not in there with them. Wondering you know, because there a lot of their cases aren't any different than mine. Why them and not me? Yeah, it weighs on you. So it's good to hear their uplifting tone and and that they're not defeated. Well, we'll talk about uh, you. I think you know I had you on with Victoria uh, White before. She made a plea deal, right? She did. So when Victoria was on here, she was considering firing her attorney and going pro se, or she had just gone pro se and I was considering it. And she was kind of my inspiration to go ahead and pull the trigger and go pro se. And to see her take a plea deal was a little bit disheartening, but I, I still love her. I love her to death. I understand that she's got, you know, four beautiful little girls that she wants to be at home with, that the, the attacks on her were just too much. She's had a, a, a troubled life. Right. And, and she got a, a decent deal. You know, she ended up serving, she has to serve eight days, Four, and she gets to do it on the weekend. So four weekends, she'll do two days. And I, I believe her civil lawsuit of all of ours is probably the strongest. Well, she, she faced the prospect of 30, 30 years, didn't she? She did. She did. She she was facing some quite serious charges. They were trying to charge her with assault, a felony assault on a federal officer for trying to reach up and just hold on and happen to yeah. grab his shield while she's having the tar literally beaten out of her. And... So, so you feel for her, right? You feel for her to get out with eight days, knowing they wanted to give her thirty years. That's a victory in my book. Yeah, even if she took a plea deal. That's that's a big difference between eight days and, and thirty years. So, uh, whatever, because we only have a few minutes left. Uh, what, whatever, uh, is there anything you want to discuss that we haven't discussed? Sure, sure. I, everybody else has done it. I'll, I'll plug myself for a minute. I do have a big civil lawsuit in the works. I'm. I'm my expectancy is to beat the courts. I have a Gibson go. I'll, I'll, I'll post it in, in your chat. I think it's, I think the American Gulag's book, I think going to that uh, letters from prisoners.us and buying that book is, is far more valiant and effort because it, it goes to far more than just me. Right. Th those people really do reach out and help us. The funds really are spent where they say they're spent. And, and I can say that from personal experience. I can, I can say that from, 
you know, need wanting to help. I went into Washington DC last September to view the CCTV footage archive, right? I got 30 hours over a seven day period, seven business days. that was there like 10 days to go in and sit down and view the CCTV archive. And once it does all become public, uh, this narrative is shattered, right? The narrative is shattered. What they're releasing now, they're doing their best to, to release the things that don't really show much. But when they start, when they start posting those cameras that show on the outside of the building, the camera that it faces only a wall and an emergency exit from an office that four individuals on bicycles approach it, cut the feed to the camera. And then you look at the inside, what's on the inside of that door. It's an office, right? Those four people go into the office and start eating donuts and then walk out the main door into the building. You know, that, that clip was shown by the January 6th committee when they realized that that was staged and that those people cut those cameras and that that door was unlocked by staffers that were in the office before they went in. That's kind of narrative shattering. So when will they release that footage is what do, I want to do. Do you see the question from Chris Graves on the screen? What do you, what does the guest think of the suicided cops of January 6th? I, I think it's tragic. I think they were set up as much as we were. I think there were some bad seeds that they funneled into that tunnel. I think there were some, some bad ones among them. Right. Obviously, that that did some things that were uncalled for to help instigate the violence. I think the vast majority of them were good people there to do their jobs and they were set up as much as we were. And they probably feel bad about the fact that they were forced into non-disclosure agreements to keep their jobs and wanted to come forward and, and tell the truth. And it probably weighed on them. It probably weighed on them e either that or or Hillary Clinton got to them. <laughs> yeah, it's always a possibility, isn't it? <laughs> She's got a long arm. So we certainly see you have two, you have a civil lawsuit and then you have the lawsuit against Ray Epps. Those are separate lawsuits? So I have the one against Ray Epps and then I'm included in a class action that's got about 60 January 6th defendants that have so far signed on to it. More can sign on. And then there's another one by investigatej6.org. It's headed by A.J. Fisher. He's, a, a, I believe, a proud boy and an Air Force veteran. So that includes everyone that was there. It includes everyone that was there. You don't have to sign on to it. It's one of those types of uh, class actions where if it's one after the fact, you prove you were there, you get your cut of the settlement. But more importantly, I, I'm looking forward to the discovery that comes from the civil lawsuits. I think I have a good chance of getting some of that because I'm outside of D.C. and Utah. Mine's, I took mine to Ray Epps Home District. Well, we certainly wish you luck. And uh we're gonna we're gonna end a few minutes early. Anything anything we missed? Anything else you want to mention? Prayers. Pray for me. Pray for me above any type of financial contribution you can give me. I'll I'll, I'll take all the prayer I can get. Well, we certainly will do that, Eric. And we certainly feel for you. And we hope for the best. And may, hey, maybe take heart from uh, James. Maybe you can beat this system too. And uh, thanks so much for coming on. And we'll, we'll all be thanking you and hoping and praying for you for the best. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Don. Oh, take care. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to my protests. We'll talk to you next week, same time. Take care.